I V M. Hi, welcome to a show about crypto. Where today I have with me the spectacularly named Mr. Cash Donda. And I'm going to be very careful and say it that way because I can't tell people your name is Cash Danda and then say you're talking about crypto. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm going to say that. Uh, Cash, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I'm going to start up state where today's episode I want to know about this currency that he's talking about. I want to know about Solana, and I want to know about Solana specifically in the context of. I feel like everybody sort of everywhere I look, it's it sort of. Well, I don't want to use the word pitted against, but it is sort of placed and compared to Ethereum. A lot. So straight up, first of all, what is Solana? Yeah, so Solana is a smart contract platform that is super fast and super cheap. So when I say it's a smart contract platform, I mean that like Ethereum, it's a layer one blockchain, as we call it. It's really, it's something that other people can build applications on top of, right? A really simple metaphor here is to think of Solana and Ethereum like global computers that anyone can pay to use, right? So Solana is like Ethereum in that sense. Where it is less like Ethereum is that it is super fast and super cheap. So super fast in the sense that it can handle about 50,000 transactions per second. Uh, if you compare that with Ethereum, Ethereum does about 15 to 30. That's 15 to 30 period, not 15 to 30,000. So it's you know many orders of magnitude larger. Oh, wow. Uh, and okay. you, can even comp- you can compare that to Visa, uh, which we all know like for credit cards and stuff. Visa can process about 24,000 transactions per second. Uh, so it's still kind of less than half of Solana, and Visa takes kind of days to settle with banks. So Solana, super fast. Uh, it's also super cheap. That's the last important thing to understand about Solana. On Ethereum, typically you'll pay something like $40 US in gas fees, about 3,000 rupees, something like that. In Solana, you pay 0. 0.00025 cents per transaction, right? So it's about a oh, 50th wow. of a penny is how much you pay each time, right? So it's much, much cheaper. It's, again, orders of magnitude cheaper than Ethereum, and that enables all sorts of fun things that we can uh, talk about later as well. So do you, so you mentioned the difference between, say, an Ethereum, which can do 15 to 20 transactions, not even 20, no, 15 to 20 transactions a second versus this thing that can do so many. How does Solana solve for that sort of bottleneck issue that Ethereum has and what makes it capable of processing so many more transactions at a time? Because the Ethereum bottleneck is very, very real. Anytime you go online, Everybody's complaining about gas fees. Everybody's complaining about the speed of the network. So how did Solana solve for that differently? Yeah, they took a fundamentally kind of different approach early on, right? So A, I should say, Solana was started in, I think, 2017. It actually launched in 2020. So they had the benefit of seeing how Ethereum worked and kind of learning some lessons from it, right? And one of the things that Solana folks noticed, specifically Anatoly and Raj, who are the two kind of main founders of the program or of the protocol, what they noticed is that Ethereum processed everything serially, which means one after another. So if transaction A comes, they do that first, then transaction B, then transaction C, and so on and so forth. And it turns out that's really slow, right? Because if transaction A and transaction B have nothing to do with each other, then you should just run them at the same time. The only sure. time in which you'd want to sequence is if they're going to affect each other, right? That way, you know, Rowan cannot double spend 20 bucks uh, across you know, the, sure. the network. So Solana approaches it by processing transactions in parallel, which makes it just much, much faster, right? So instead of one, two, three, four, it's everything all at once, basically. So we've got Ethereum also uses, if I'm not mistaken, Ethereum 1.0 still uses proof of stake as its sort of main method, which I understand is significantly more time intensive and just significantly more resource intensive process versus Solana, which if I'm not mistaken, uses something called proof of history. 
which is a term that, that's yeah. come up, which is a term that I'm seeing for the first time. So can you explain what the difference between those two is? Yeah, and so this can get a little bit confusing, so I'll preface that up front. So different blockchains use different things called consensus mechanisms to basically understand what is true and what is real right. within the network, right? So Bitcoin famously uses proof of work. Uh, Ethereum mm-hmm. uses proof of work right now. It's transitioning to proof of stake. Solana has this thing called proof of history. And because it has proof of, people oftentimes confuse it as a consensus algorithm. Right. It's not really. I'll explain where it is in a second. But Solana also uses proof of stake. It uses the same kind of method that ETH will use after ETH2. Right. Proof of history, though, is kind of is an additional innovation that they've added in. Right. So like I said, Solana is super fast. And when you're right. moving really, really fast, you know, things can get a little bit tricky if people don't know what time it is, right? You literally need to know what happened before the next thing. Solana does a new block every about 400 milliseconds, right? So it's really, really quick. I think the speed of light is like 120 milliseconds or something like that. So it's really, really fast. And having time allows you to have do all these things really quickly and kind of organize them appropriately as well. So proof of history, like literally makes sure that everyone using Solana has a little clock so they all know what time it is and which things happened before, which things happened later, and it allows them to kind of understand how time flows over the system. Strangely, there's no concept of time built into Bitcoin or Ethereum or really any other major platform. So as simple as it might sound, it's actually a huge technical innovation uh, for them to, to make this happen. Wow, okay. So we're talking about timestamps here, basically. And timestamps make a yes. huge difference here. And that's kind of crazy. That sounds like a, that sounds like it would be a wildly simple innovation. So why why were, and how come Solana was the first person to go? Hang on, this makes sense. Not first person, the first technology to go. Hang on, this makes way more sense. And mm-hmm. speed. How does that speed things up? So it enables the speed to be as fast as it is, right? There are some other pieces of the Solana infrastructure that really allow it to be super fast. Uh, so, like I said, that paralyze that parallelization of processing transactions uh, using something called the C level runtime is actually what makes things really fast and kind of proof of history enables that. Right. There are other pieces of Solana that make it really fast. They have uh, something called Turbine, which is a lot like BitTorrent. I don't know if you ever okay. torrented stuff back in the day, Rohan. Uh, but it uses- I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I never torrented a thing in my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. I read a Wikipedia page on it once. That's the only way that I know about exactly, it. Exactly. Uh, I think the- we've been to the same Wikipedia page. <laughs> it works the same kind of way, right? BitTorrent takes a big file, breaks it up into little small pieces, and then sends those little small pieces to people on the network. Uh, Solana does something similar to that with uh, with Turbine as well. And basically, the reason that Solana does it and Ethereum doesn't is Solana was built to be a high-performance blockchain. Uh, that was not the kind of goal of Ethereum upfront. They were very busy, understandably, kind of inventing smart contract platforms and really focusing on decentralization as much as possible. Uh, the Solana guys said, like, hey, decentralization is important. We want to be decentralized, but we also want to ensure that it's fast enough that people can actually use it. It's cheap enough that people, you know, if they make a mistake, they don't feel like they lost a lot of money, right? It's more of a trade-off decision that was made early on by the Solana team. Uh, to go towards these technical innovations that allow it to be so much faster. Okay, that's fantastic. So why do people so often, and this is a phrase that I've seen very, very often, and I'm trying to separate the hype from the fact, why does everybody call it an Ethereum killer? What a horrific name for a product. But but also, I mean, it, it, it's quite the title to carry. So why do people call it that? I mean, I think it's important to think about which people are calling it that. I think that's largely like a journalist media kind of positioning. I don't think sure. there's anyone... 
at least that I know in the Solana ecosystem that calls it an Ethereum killer. But in general, I think people feel like these are two competitive platforms. And in many ways, they are, right? They kind of do the same fundamental thing, both smart contract right. platforms. Right. I like to think about this stuff in terms of probabilities, right? Because uh, okay. I can't say for sure. But I think it is extremely unlikely that Solana kills Ethereum in the sense that Ethereum's token price goes to zero and there's funerals in the streets and you know, the bankless guys are crying, whatever else. I do think it's somewhat likely that Solana overtakes Ethereum in terms of market cap. And I think it's extremely likely that they at least compete and that there's at least a conversation in the coming months and years where they're kind of seen more as peers. Right now, undisputedly, you know, Ethereum is much bigger in terms of market cap, in terms of developers, in terms of users than Solana. That's for sure. I think it's very likely that we'll see more parity achieved there. And it's possible that we even see Solana above. But again, it's unlikely that it actually kills it. So one of the places where this battle is obviously going to be hugely important is decentralized finance, right? Like DeFi in general. So how do they stack up against each other when it comes? Because my understanding is that the Solana ecosystem is obviously way more nascent than the Ethereum one, like you mentioned as well, right? I mean, Ethereum started earlier, but Solana has also has the advantage of starting later, like you mentioned, got to see what Ethereum did. So how are the two sort of stacking up against each other in the DeFi ecosystem? And what are sort of Solana's advantages versus Ethereum and sort of vice versa? Yeah, so to preface this again, as you say, Solana's nascent. Uh, the primary metric that we measure kind of DeFi activity by is called TVL, Total Value Locked. Ethereum has something like $150 billion of value locked on the network. Solana has about $10 billion, right? So again, we're talking, it's a huge difference right now. But what is really exciting about Solana is the speed and the cheapness. I keep coming back to that because it's really important. Enable all sorts of new applications. Most notably, they enable something called a central limit order book. Uh, And this is done through something like Serum. And the way to think about this, right, is when you go and trade on the stock market, there's somebody who runs the stock market, you know, like the Dow Jones in the, in the mm-hmm. US, whatever. And they literally have a book with everyone's orders, right? All the buy orders and all the sell orders. And then you can right. kind of match it up, right? It's very efficient and fast. Ethereum has no such corollary, right? Instead, they use this entirely different market model called automated market makers, which can get more complex. But the basic point here is that on Solana, you can do finance things the same way you do finance things in the real world because it's fast and it's cheap enough to do so, right? That means all sorts of new things and all sorts of really advanced, sophisticated things like derivatives and options and futures and all sorts of other things are, are possible in a more thorough way on Solana than they are in Ethereum. In general, what we've seen with the history of finance in the last, let's say, 200 years is that finance gets increasingly complex, right? It gets increasingly sophisticated. Solana is the place where complicated, sophisticated financial instruments are possible and easier to build and use. Uh, So from that perspective, you would think that over time, more and more DeFi action is going to switch over to Solana because they can just do more stuff. Sure. Um, And that's kind of the nature of finance. Josh, tell me about NFTs on the Solana ecosystem? Because right now my understanding is that they're all over the Ethereum ecosystem. So how do Solana fit into the NFT game? If I want to buy all the apes, how do I do it on Solana? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so well, we have different apes on Solana than the Board Ape Yacht Club. They're called degenerate apes. Uh, They're a lot of fun. But in general, right, any any layer one um, blockchain that has smart contracts can offer NFTs. Right. So Ethereum can offer it, so can Solana, so can Avalanche and Phantom and a lot of these other uh, alternatives as well. But what we're seeing in the Solana ecosystem is a lot of interest and attention around NFTs because it is so cheap to, to mint them, right? 
again, when you go and try and mint something on Ethereum, particularly if it's at a busy time, you could easily, I mean, I personally have paid hundreds of dollars just to mint an NFT before, right? It can, can be very expensive. The most you're going to pay over on Solana is like, you know, 50 cents. And it's probably going to be much, much, much less than that as well. Uh, so that enables a lot of new people to come in. So oftentimes my recommendation to people who are kind of new to NFTs is, hey, first, go check it out on Solana. There is, you know, fantastic art. There's fantastic communities there that you can go check out. Magic Eden uh, is the name of one of the primary marketplaces. Uh, it's kind of like uh, OpenSea a little bit in that sense. Solana art is another one. Uh, but go look through the art. Find some art that you like. Have, go through the experience of connecting your wallet and purchasing a piece and owning it and kind of getting a sense of what that feels like. Low risk, low cost. Uh, it's nice, fun, and easy. Uh, and so what we are seeing is kind of a proliferation of NFT projects as a lot of kind of net new users to crypto try it for the first time on Solana. Um, a lot of people are going after that audience and targeting them there. So it is certainly less mature than the NFT ecosystem in Ethereum. A lot of the pieces are much cheaper, right? And yeah, that's a, it's a great place to kind of get your feet wet with NFTs as you want to learn more uh, about them. All right. I am in conversation with Kash Danda of the Super Team DAO about Solana. And we're going to take a short break and we will talk more right after this. Welcome back to a show about crypto. I'm in conversation with Kash Danda about Solana. So how does interoperability work with Solana and Ethereum? Because right now, one of the sort of issues is that all these sort of different blockchains and all of these things, they're just in their silos, right? And you have to sort of build bridges between them. So how does that work? Because I feel like it would be advantageous to something like Solana, right? To also just be interoperable as hell. So how does yeah. that work? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it, it would be lovely. Indeed, one of the biggest obstacles to Solana's growth is that it's primarily coded in this language called Rust, which is different than Ethereum, which is coded in Solidity, right? So already you're starting to have some friction between the two. Right. Uh, indeed, there are bridges being developed, like as you described. So uh, the expectation is that in the next kind of six to 12 months, we'll see much more of this. Already there are a few though. So if you are on Ethereum and you have, let's say, $1,000 of USDC that you want to move over to Solana to do fun DeFi things with, uh, you can use a bridge like Wormhole. Uh, Wormhole is a great one. You can send over funds. You can send over NFTs. You can kind of send over anything from Ethereum over to Solana, right? So in the short term, that works perfectly fine. Over time, we expect that that might get cheaper and faster and easier and all those kinds of things. The other piece of interoperability is of code. Right. So how can we get things that already run on Ethereum to run on Solana? Think about this right. a little bit like it runs on iPhone, it runs on Android, right? You want it to mm -hmm. run on both, mm -hmm. ideally, right? Yeah. Um, so there are projects out there that are dedicated to solving this problem. A really exciting one uh, is called Neon Labs that we're, we're very bullish on. Uh, they allow anybody to run their EVM code and have it work immediately on Solana without having to rewrite anything. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, it's like, yeah. So it's like if you had an iPhone app, you just click a button and then all of a sudden it works on Android without you having to recode anything. It's like um, all those emulators we had as kids to run sort of Nintendo games on our PCs. Got it. Okay. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. So yeah, as you know, as bridges allow people to bring over funds and assets like NFTs to Solana, that'll help adoption. And as tools like Neon Labs allow anyone to run the exact same program on Solana, that'll also help adoption because it'll just have, you know, more stuff to do on Solana, which is great. So, so over time, we'll yeah. see more and more interoperability. All right, fantastic. Thank you for clearing that up. So now another question that comes up very often, and this is something that comes up with, it's come up with Bitcoin, and then it's sort of spilled over to Ethereum. And now I'm guessing this is something that Solana will have to grapple with as well. What are the sort of environmental implications 
for networks that are sort of lighter and faster. Like so, like the environmental implications of a Solana versus an Ethereum, because this is obviously much like sort of oil has its own PR crisis. This is obviously a sort of nascent PR crisis for crypto and the blockchain, right? Where everybody's sort of going, your power consumption is through the roof. So how does Solana sort of solve for some of those implications? So it uses uh, this proof of stake system to kind of generate, right? The really energy intensive thing, the thing that all the environmentalists hate and, you know, for some justified reason is proof of work, right? Which is really Mm -hmm. kind of energy intensive. Proof of stake is super light, right? That's the, that's almost like a primary benefit of it is that it uses very, very little energy on purpose. So a single Solana transaction uses about the same amount of electricity as a single Google search, right? Which is to say very, very little. Yeah. So you don't have to feel any type of guilt. There's no type of kind of like, you know, how should I say, uh, negative environmental problems that are being created by Solana specifically. I mean, maybe it's not fair to say not at all. Like, you know, Google has obviously environmental consequences, but nothing close to Bitcoin, right? Which is kind of on the order of small nations in terms of its mm-hmm. environmental impact. Um, so yeah, I think if you care about going green, if that matters to you and if climate change is important to you, which it probably should be, Solana is a great place to kind of do all of your DeFi transactions and all your kind of cryptocurrency interactions because you can rest assured knowing that it's not going to you know, have a significant strain on the planet. Fantastic. Now, my next question is a two-parter. One is, you're part of a DAO, a DAO called Super Team. So one one half of the question is, what is a DAO? And two, why is your DAO, Super Team specifically, so bullish on Solana? Yeah, so a DAO, it stands for a Decentralized Autonomous Organization, uh, DAO. And uh, the simple way to think about it, right, is that a DAO is just an internet community with a mission and a bank account, basically a way to kind of fund their mission, right? It's like if you gave a subreddit its own bank account to go start, for example, a record. The horror, the horror. (laughs) <laughs> what kind of uh, new fresh hell is this? Uh, yeah, exactly. No, but it's the subreddit yeah. with financial powers. Are you crazy? <laughs> so it turns out though, when you allow people to kind of organize permissionlessly uh, online in a way that they can trust each other and give them a sort of a common source of funding, all sorts of like fun innovation can happen. Um, so the super team DAO, which I'm one of the core contributors for, is what's called a service DAO, which means we go out and we help other cryptocurrency projects, right? We've focused entirely, or we've decided to focus entirely for now on Solana as an ecosystem. Uh, and we're, we're kind of making a big bet that Solana is going to grow in the way that you know, a lot of people expect, including us. There's a lot of reasons to be bullish on Solana, right? From some of the backers and players involved in the space, like Sam Bankman-Fried and others, to you know, the amount of, um, you know, the kind of technical innovations that they've had. What really mattered to, to me and to us, though, I think, is seeing all of the talent that's going to the Solana ecosystem, right? Uh, Especially in the ascending world, in places like India, what we find is that people feel much more comfortable using something that is cheap and fast than something that is expensive and slow, right? In many ways, Ethereum today is a rich person's blockchain, right? You have to have a lot of wealth already to be able to afford the $40 per transaction cost. And God help you, if you make a mistake, you've just burned $40 and you've done something wrong, so you have to pay another $40 to reverse it. Adds up really quickly, right? So what we see is that a lot of people are able to experiment and play around in the Solana ecosystem uh, in a way that they can't elsewhere. And that enables a lot of uh, kind of innovation, right? If you can make things, uh, if you can create an ecosystem where it's faster and it supports a wider range of applications and it's cheaper so people can make mistakes, 
you know, those two ingredients are how you get innovation, basically. So we're seeing a lot of uh, really smart people, developers, designers, et cetera, community managers moving to the Solana ecosystem. Uh, and that's why we're bullish. All right. Fantastic. I think that covers it. Just to sum it up, and please, 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 in case I've gotten anything wrong, get me up. One is Solana is a significantly sort of lighter on its feet platform than Ethereum, where it can A, process like a significant, like of a way higher order of magnitude transactions in a second than Ethereum can. Um, it can do this at a fraction of the cost and at a fraction of the energy, as a result of which it's the sort of thing that significantly spurs innovation, which in a way gives it a pretty sort of interesting hold in the DeFi space because unlike an Ethereum, like you mentioned, this is a platform that is significantly more forgiving of mistakes and reversals and failures because of its cost and energy implications. And that is why yeah, you as Super Team DAO are more bullish on the ecosystem. Yeah, I think the only one piece to add to that for from my perspective is, yes, it is great for DeFi. And I think it's, it's definitely... Uh, showing a lot of promise there already. I'm really excited about Solana in the way that it can also enable consumer applications, right? One of the things that we care about at Super Team DAO is helping onboard the next billion people into crypto, right? So they can right. find financial freedom and privacy and ownership and all those other great things that Web3 has to offer. Because again, Solana is so fast and cheap, you have all sorts of fun consumer applications that you couldn't really do anywhere else, right? So some projects for your listeners to maybe check out. Um, one is called Star Atlas. Have you heard of Star Atlas okay. already? Uh, I have, have not heard there? of Star Atlas. Yeah, it is uh, It is very similar to EVE Online, the video game. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, traditional of kind of video game. Uh -huh. Yeah, so it's a AAA game, super high production quality, fantastic team behind it that have built you know, some of the biggest games of all time. Those kinds of like games that are built around NFTs and actually owning in-game assets and fighting each other, right. you know, a bunch of like fun stuff. Uh, that's really easy to do on Solana, or it's much easier to do on Solana. Uh, another project that's worth checking out is called Audius, which is like a decentralized SoundCloud where people kind of, you know, artists own more of the platform so they get more rewards. If you're like an early listener and you kind of discover new artists, you can earn money and earn rewards for adding to their uh, kind of oh, career wow. trajectory. Okay. Yeah, so there's all sorts of these kind of consumer applications. Uh, Fantasia is another one that has fantasy sports on the blockchain, which is really great. That's one other piece that I think is really exciting for, you know, let's say most people in the world who are maybe not going to dive deep into DeFi. You still might interact with Solana through some of these consumer applications as well. That's fantastic. That That's actually, this is, I think, one of the first sort of chats we've had where people are talking and not just up in the air about consumer applications that aren't just like wildly B2B or sound wildly complex, um, which, which is kind of great. So yeah, thank you for that explanation. I will check out Star Atlas. I will check out Audius. I will, Audius, Audius and Fantasia. Audius, yeah. Audius, right. and there we go. And Fantasia, thank you so much for that. This has been a very fascinating conversation. Definitely given me a significantly greater insight into Solana than I had so far. Right now, it was just this coin in my platform that was there and my portfolio and she's <laughs> there. And um, good, good things for this. this. This is a lot of context. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and my pleasure. Cash Dhanda from the Super Team DAO, aka Super Team DAO. <laughs> you have joined us very early this morning from the UK. I just like to tell our listeners that uh, where, when I'm recording this right now, it's a nice and breezy 1.30 in the afternoon at home for me, but it's like 7 a.m. for you. So thank you so much for making this time on a cold winter morning in the UK. It's been a great time. Oh, no better way to start a day than talking to you, Rohan. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Glad. Thanks. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>